HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Whole Foods Market brings you meals worth sharing this holiday season. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com slash shop for our online menu and ordering system. Local turkeys, inspired sides, and even a little something for your hosts, all available online or in-store at one of our six Manhattan locations. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com for more details. To the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with a very interesting project. Tattoo, Tattoo presents Notes from a Kitchen. Artists Jeff Scott and Chef Blake Bashore have compiled this book, which I'm going to let them explain a little bit more, but it's about culinary passions, obsessions, a collection of things, notebooks, uh, of moments. It's a it's this wonderful kitchen verite, published and bound. Uh, and a big congrats that you guys actually were able to put this together. Thanks, Michael. Man, that's like killer in kitchen verite. That's yeah. it. I mean, you nailed it right there because this is about authentic life behind the line. You know what I mean? There's a lot of books out there um, that kind of glamorize cooking, and I think this is about demystifying it. You know, de- taking it. Um, I kind of became a line cook with a camera for yeah, a yeah. couple of years. <laughs> you know, um, it's a journey, man. It's like this. The, all chefs have this um, shared obsession. You know, if you hang out with chefs, there's you lose the media vibe, lose what you see, you know, on television. It's just such a, it's not the right view. There's like, there's this process that goes on. There's a plate that needs to be, that gets set down in front of the diner. But if you pull back from the plate into the kitchen, from the kitchen out to the farm, farm into the soil. So it's like deconstructing a plate through the window of a chef's life. And if you could just spend like a ridiculous amount of time with these guys and girl in the case of Emma yeah. Hurst. <laughs> and um, if you could just kind of live their life or with them, you know, 
Johnny Azuni hanging out in his loft, beating up on his punching bag, just releasing yeah. that endorphin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because these guys are high stress. So they've got to have this, this balanced life in order that they can do what they do for 14, 16 hours a day. So this is kind of an, um, an opportunity to show people who love food and people who love art, for that matter, or people who love the idea of creativity and, and, and what drives creative people to do what they do. It's a chance to, um, to get into their heads and uh, and to go into the field and to learn why their food tastes so damn good. Yeah, I mean, this is that great intersection of food and art. I mean, sure. that's that's why it was so perfect uh, as a topic on this show, um, because it is a non traditional cookbook. I, I've never seen anything like this, but I know all the elements. Being a photographer, uh, the layering effect, the you know photopolymer gravure, you know, d- doing stuff like that to present how a plate, as you said, is deconstructed and demystified. It's, it's, it's something that hasn't been done before. Why was this approach so important for you? Well, I mean, again, I mean, whenever you go into a bookstore, you go and see what's been done before. I mean, the challenge is always, you know, you're looking through hundreds of, you know, there's beautiful books out there, of course. I mean, EMP is badass. Yeah. And, and um, this is the Levin Madsen Park. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so there's like, there's definitely some kudos going around. I mean, um, I mean, Grant Ackett's book that just came out, you know, is really, really insightful and really personal and really, it's, it's a great narrative. But so many cookbooks are made so inexpensively by major publishers that if you pull off the, you know, the, the dust jacket and you look at the quality of the book, it's really, really badly made. Yeah. And that's why you see them on Amazon at like less 35% right away. Boom. Because it's, there's no love there. There's no, I mean, it's all about loving a product. I mean, if a chef is going to make something beautiful for you, they're going to go out and source the perfect ingredient. So the idea with this book is why don't we just spend a stupid amount of money, <laughs> right? Why don't yeah. we just get really obsessive and take all the risk up front on producing something that's really truly a museum piece. You know, yeah. this could be like an artifact in a, in a you know in a, an art museum or an art gallery or in a glass case in somebody's home. At the same time, it's like it's tactile. There's etching marks. There's scratch marks. As you see, there's like notebook writing all over the front of the cover. There's deep indentations inside the cover. So when you touch this thing, you physically feel like you're holding onto a chef's notebook. So it's a modern book, but it has this approach of being around for maybe 20 years, 25 years. Yeah. But we feel that uh, we're very uncompromising in our vision. Um, I, I think if you can go into a publisher and say, we want to recreate this book, I really don't think that they would be up for it. I mean, we put our heart and soul into it. And I mean, the quality of the printing, the quality of the book, I mean, it, it truly shows. Well, I mean, you went to other publishers and then decided to <laughs> create your own publishing sure. house just to be able to produce this. Um, how did Tattoo come to be? First of all, what does Tattoo actually mean? It's an amalgam of different. Uh, you actually called it. You know, initially you said tattoo, so it's sort of a coming together. It's got rue for an avenue in Paris and a rue for a sauce and mm-hmm. a tattoo. So the idea also was going into you know a combination of words to create. We needed to come up with a name for the publishing company that we thought was sort of emblematic of what the book stood for. Of what so you know, on the back even of the book you can yep. have like there's multiple definitions for tattoo. And this one is a culinary term that describes a fearless creative approach and enhanced sense of calm in the kitchen. So again, the idea of pushing the envelope, but doing it with uh, patience and doing it with calm and having some drinks, relaxing in the kitchen. And yeah. not, you know, it's, it's not a stressful experience, man. It's like, it's stressful if you're trying to like, if you're not prepared, you don't have your mise en place set up and you like, you don't have your, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of going through a recipe list. But if you really take your time, you source carefully, you can just deconstruct yourself to just a few very beautiful basic ingredients, set it up. So we want kind of a book that would on the one hand take people on this on this voyage of discovery of creativity around with 10 top american chefs and on the other hand really give 
I wanted to shoot a film, and I want I did. I, mean, I shot a film. I shot hundred thousand photographs. I did fifty interviews, and I cut up the film pieces and put them inside the book. And then each chapter, I mean, there's like almost a thousand pages in the book. Yeah. So it's really there's no any, every every section is unique to itself. There's no set structure to it. Every page is different. Every section is different. Every chef is their section reflects who they are as a human being. So the idea is to use whatever mediums are possible, whether it's a photogravure, whether it's taking layers and layers, taking you know etching ink and then putting on a vellum sheet. So when you're turning the pages of the book, you're holding on a vellum, you feel like you're touching the chef's notebooks. So it's like, why shouldn't why shouldn't a cookbook have this emotionality to it? Why shouldn't it have a, an emotional quality? So when you feel, but you feel like you want to cry, you feel like, wow, this is what cooking is about. This is why the chef does what they do. Not like you know, two, you know, here's the Graham formula. Here's the that's not what great cooking is about. It's about passion. It's about obsession. And it's about understanding the creative process. And that starts with chefs writing notes down, just like we all do, as things that we want to look at and do for the future. So that's a big part of going into this experience is, is trying to open up and let, let the public see what, what the inside of a chef's mind you know, looks like. So this was a project that you were doing uh, in Dallas and then met Blake and the combined forces created that true. Yeah, I mean, this is like an invaluable partnership in, in the sense that it's it's a chef and an artist together. You know what I mean? So it's got that great balance to it. Yeah. And um, I was there was a quote unquote celebrity chef that had hired me to um, to do this because he had seen my Elvis book. I'd done a bunch of stuff documenting Elvis's private art of you know yeah. his personal possessions. And so this this dude's like, hey man, can you you know make this for me? You know, do this emotional thing for me. And I guess, but that didn't mean he'd be in the kitchen. So <laughs> as he as he walked the floor, I. I was inside, you know, hanging with the, with the line cooks and really just getting the adrenaline of being inside of a kitchen. I was like, man, I get this. I, yeah. I get this. I get the push. And uh, it was just, I, I literally spent a couple hundred hours in the kitchen and I just, I didn't get any shots of the chef pretty much. And yeah. it was like, there's got to be another way to do this. And then Blake, who had been showing me how to do some really sweet cooking techniques at home, just kind of like what we were talking about, like without a lot of stress, just sort of like saying, hey, dude, here's how to control fire. You know what I mean? Here's how to season. And it's like, right? I mean, it's yeah. sort of, it's this, these basics that a lot of people just, you know, are just pushing aside that just learn how to just deal with fire Building for a week. A foundation, yeah. You know? Sure. And, uh, but then through this, you know, he's like, he saw this thing fall apart with this other chef and he's just like, man, let's just put our resources together. And, um, through that, we formed this publishing company and then boom, off yeah. to the races. Yeah. Tatru so, is all about uh, risk taking. So I think that going into this, uh, both an artist and a chef, uh, yeah. you know, risk taking to the max. Yeah. So and like, this dude is a serious risk taker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you went to school for cooking the Cordon Bleu. I did. Uh, cooked around the country a little bit. I did. I, I spent a couple of years, uh, I did a private chefing gig in dallas uh own catering company and then uh started to teach people uh you know how to create fine dining in their own home yeah uh and that's you know when i met jeff so it's you know it, i took a different path i would say in, in the culinary world not the traditional path um i thought i was just gonna you know work my way up uh you know sous chef through the ranks you know up to executive chef but uh i mean i decided to take a a, a new direction in, in the culinary world and, yeah you know, and i mean what, what has this project taught you that you probably wouldn't have got from a traditional education oh man i mean if if i had had this book in uh, culinary school i mean i i I suggest it for culinary students, especially. I mean, you get a, you know, I'd say eight or ten year jump on uh, on everyone else, <laughs> yeah. just because you're actually seeing what, you know, your life's going to be like if you take this direction. And it's a great, it's an inspirational thing. I mean, the beautiful uh, part about this book is it takes its time, so you can really truly understand these, uh, you know, emotional characters and uh, truly get to understand what they do and you know why is their craft so creative and how you know how do they physically 
do what they do, you know, every part of the day. So yeah, and like you said, it is a thousand-page tome split into two volumes at the moment. Um, assuming there will probably be more because this feels just like the tip of the iceberg. But who was your entry point? Who was your first chef that you met and followed? I was uh, buddies with a chef named Joel Harrington, who's just a total badass. And he was um, he was at the Ritz Carlton. He had a at Dove Mountain in Tucson. And so when this other deal fell apart, it was like I called my bro and I'm like, dude, I got to hang with you for a while and just step into your world. And he's like, yo, come out. And so we basically just like spent two weeks just cruising, cruising, you know, flying through the Arizona desert in his little Mini Cooper, yeah, and spending a ton of time with his farmer, Richard Starkey, out in uh, just right outside of Tucson. And this dude is like coveralls and you know, put, rubbing dirt in his hands, and he's <laughs> like, "This is good dirt. Yeah. This is quality dirt. You know, it's um, something falls in the dirt, you just eat, get on after it and eat it up, and dirt and all, and might even make you regular, you know." <laughs> I mean, the guy's a total character. And so it was like, but then he would talk about, you know, how to keep gophers and squirrels off of, you know, off the produce and how to how to create the soil and then put peppermint and put, you know, dish, dish soap and all these little tricks that he would use so that he would have, you know, a successful season. In the meantime, he's experimental as heck. And he's like, he's doing crossbreeds. He's doing these giant Argos, Argos squash that are just like sick. And he just had, we did an opening week or so ago and he had some seeds that were sent to him from laos so he had some squash from laotian squash (laughs) yeah and like that's the kind of passion that these guys have out in the fields you know what i mean so spending time with joel out there in in the desert spending time with the farmer and really getting to understand food on that sort of you know real core molecular level of you know why things even come out of the ground and how they are and how old are they and why does a carrot you know taste like this you know from 200 years ago that's what a carrot tastes like not you know not what we think we can't go to the store and get it you have to go to the farm and get a carrot if you want to taste what a carrot tastes like yeah the the word visceral keeps on coming up in this book and it is a very elicited emotional response that you get from flipping through these pages um and we had mentioned foundation before you know actually having the skills to be able to put things together yet there are no recipes in the book there are food photos but no recipes why this choice it's actually a, it's a, probably a better cooking book. It's be, it's a better cookbook without recipes, and I love the question. I mean, everyone comes at you with that, right? Yeah. Man, how come there's no recipes? And that's awesome, you know, because it's a book about cooking. It's a story about cooking. It's a conversation with ten chefs about food, about cooking, just like going after the desert and learning about how hanging out with um, Sean Brock and going up and I spent. I mean, I'm sleeping in his house. Waking up, drinking Pappy with them. You know what I mean? Like, very little sleep, actually. But um, we're going up and hanging out with Glenn Roberts at Anson Mills, um, who's, you know, complete fanatic about that's where Sean learned to, you know, save, save seeds. And um, then he'll get varietals that he'll put out to the farm at Thornhill Farm or, or Thackeray Farm. And, and he'll, like, he'll focus on the on the essence of what can be grown. What was the question? Man, I got a little lost. <laughs> question was, why no recipes? Yeah, yeah. No. And the idea is it's a conversation about food to learn the food at a more core level. Because if you learn how to control fire, if you learn how to control, learn what these chefs do. And actually, it's a film of chefs cooking. So you're watching, you got it. I mean, it's a book, but it's it's a film within a book so you actually get to see how chefs combine flavors you get to, get to see how they control heat you see you have dialogues i just carry tape recorders with me everywhere i go so i'm like always rapping with these guys and you're learning what they what they they're like teaching you like a dissertation on the art and the craft of cooking so that's going to like if you go through these things you're going to actually see visuals you'll be in the kitchen with them so you'll hear them talk about food you'll see them actually plating you'll see them bring foods together from the, from the farm all the way to the plate and that's going to give you i think a much deeper 
deeper understanding of the very essence of food itself. And then you go and take your own risk in the kitchen. It's like, you've got just tons of books out there that have great recipes. So rock and roll. I mean, you know, that's awesome. But why make another one? I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, I would rather do a book that has a storyline and has a visceral communication device in terms of letting people have an enjoyment, you know, lose the stress and just have a dialogue. And if you just dialogue up with, you know, these great chefs, you're going to learn more about cooking. And and you're probably going to stay looking at this book for months and months, if not years. Whereas most cookbooks, what? I mean, if you look at a recipe or two or three or four, then you move on to the next one. So hopefully this is sort of like this encyclopedia of knowledge that you're getting from these great chefs. And that will teach you how to become a much better cook. So aside from collecting this kind of culinary ephemera, uh, Blake, you must have been in these kitchens and picked up some really amazing core techniques that you wouldn't have you know, learned in a traditional cookbook. Sure. I mean, I, I think that this book definitely teaches through, uh, through innovation and inspiration. It's supposed to inspire you. So for me, um, you know, I, I was kind of more behind the scenes. Jeff was uh, on the for- front lines, I would say. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely been um, amazing to see, you know, to experience Sean Brock in his, his own kitchen and see him, you know, his passion being laid down on a plate. Um, it, it's truly, uh, you know, artistic. Um, you know, it's, he's painting a picture on a plate and it's, uh, it's amazing. So I've, I've learned so much through this, uh, this journey and, you know, it's what a business or what a great business partner Jeff has been and, yeah. and this entire creative adventure, but, uh, it's, it's a long road to go. <laughs> Last night, Aldea, George Mendez, who's a wonderful chef here in New York, uh, put on a beautiful, what, five-course dinner for you guys? Even more than that. Can't even count the amount of food that I think that was served. Um, you also have Johnny Uzzini, who was at Jean-Georges here in New York, ending his tenure at the end of the year. Uh, other great chefs like Emma Hurst at Sorella um, in Manhattan. Um, Zach Palacio, whose mother actually is on this network. That's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, it's just... Jason Neroni. Jason Neroni. Joel Harrington, Matt Goddard. Michael Esconis, who's been a guest on this show. Why these chefs? Why this selection of 10? What was so akin to all of them? Yeah, that's a great question. That's probably the most fun I've had with this thing is that I've always, I just started with my friends. So I started with my bro, Joel, and then he introduced me to Jason Neroni, who's got a seriously, the port provocateur, and he's got a rep. And um, Jason's a badass cook. I mean, like, man, I mean... That boy is like kicking down some flavors that are out of this world. He's like, you know, he's a little hard to handle. You know, Jason's <laughs> definitely got a lot of edge to him, but um, I'm a badass chef, really, really tight. And um, and then through, then I met Emma and became friendly with Emma Hurst. And then a lot of this has just been hanging out with everyone's friends. And uh, everyone, Emma introduced me to George, and so I became friendly with George. And George introduced me to John, and then Johnny introduced me to Sean. You know, I just met him. I was just hanging with. Um, with George and hanging with Sean and I didn't even know who Sean Brock was and yeah. he had just won the James Beard and he, Johnny's just like yo you just gotta hang with my dude Sean you know, lo- you know you'll, you'll dig on him you guys have a good time and then after the dinner was over you know George was like do you know who that is and I'm like no dude he's awesome dude we had some great drinks he's like no that's Sean Brock man <laughs> and like and then so I called him up and I'm like yo dude let's do this thing in the book and he's like yeah come out to Charleston and boom so everything was like one friend introduced me to another friend and these they're all a nice tight circle of people who really love each other a lot so to have this thing last night with you know sean flying in george kicking it you know 
George is doing goat. Sean was doing a duck. Michael Lascones did like a three course dessert tasting. I mean, it was like it was really, and they're all such beautiful friends. And after it's over, Danielle stops by, and Paul LeBron stopped. You know, so it's like boom, boom, boom. It's like this community is all about love. It's all about sharing. And I come from a more narcissistic environment of <laughs> art, art, the you know, artistry. The, yeah. art, the art world sucks. I mean, the art world is about give me, give me, give me, and it's about everyone trying to take from everyone else. And whereas chefs are all about, I want to give my love to you. I want to, I'm sharing what I've everything in my heart I want to give to you on a plate and so that was really cool and I think that's why this book is successful is because these chefs all were just really generous with me and um, giving me the kind of access I mean this is only about access right I mean it's it's obviously there's some wild creativity going down but it's when you get this kind of access and you have this kind of unbelievable giving that's going on around you so I think working with chefs is is, is really the most ideal way because they're just so loving and, and they so much want you they want everyone around them to benefit they don't want to hide their ideas they want to share their ideas and that's that's a great group of people to hang with well said on that we're going to take a quick break you'll be listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com we'll be right back Back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Here today with a Tattoo's note from a kitchen. These amazing, I can't even say enough about them right now, these amazing pages inside a chef's mind, fusing photos, fusing illustrations, just fusing thoughts to hopefully progress creativity in the kitchen. Um, you said the art world's a little more narcissistic than the cooking world. What is your past? I mean, you, you've done a whole bunch of multimedia installations, art. Um, has anything been similar to this project? Yeah, I mean, I just came off a ten. I mean, I, I started off documenting American history. So I would I did a series called Vanishing America, where I went across the country into Wyoming, Montana, New Mexico, Arizona, and I would find these old historic mining towns, these places that were falling apart, and I would photograph them. And then I'd come back in and make paintings of my photographs. And then I got in connection with the the National Trust for Historic Preservation in Washington, D.C. And we did like a three-year tour of this work was, you know, on exhibition at Sundance Film Festival. And it really had a great, it it just went everywhere. It was all about how an artist can use their vision to save, to get people's awareness up on preserving, you know, the history of our country. And then after that was over, I wanted to do sort of something similar, you know, culturally, but I wanted to do it on a more human scale. And I loved Elvis when I was growing up. Elvis was the man. Yeah. Still is the man. Somewhere. And um, 
I, I contacted the estate in Memphis and I, I had a meeting with them and I said, listen, if you'll, uh, if you'll get me access to all of Elvis's stuff, um, I, I'd like to document his life and do a, a, a fine art treaties for, for museums on who Elvis was as a human being. And so basically what I was going after was, and, and they said yes, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And that's been going on for 10 years. So I just finished that project after right before this one and uh, basically it was the idea of uh, if you looked at the guy you know as just on a, on a mortal level you know because Elvis is just a dude and just you know wakes up in the morning and what is you know how does he get through the day Cause obviously the stresses of you know his job are, are just like anyone else's well maybe more than anybody yeah. <laughs> else's but I just looked at his driver's license and um, it was just a psych and his, his handwriting was real kind of humble and you kind of saw his you know he, he was he was born in a little shotgun shack and he lived there and then he came up and then he has Graceland so he went from like rags to riches and I got a chance to go through his he became a federal narcotics officer by President Nixon in 1970 so there's all this great stuff and Elvis carried pistols with him everywhere he <laughs> went and um, the narcotics badge was like a huge everywhere he went he wanted to become like an officer so he had like this rebel reputation but he carried pistols he carried you know badges of all sorts so there was kind of this conflict of this um one of the pieces i have with his federal narcotics badge and his 45 semi-auto which he um had like turquoise inlaid and mother of pearl with enp on the other side and it was like why is this guy who's the ultimate you know anti-authority figure so connecting with cops and, and, and authority and he had those like starsky and hush lights that you know put on top of your car and he'd pull people over and whip out his badge and like yes ma'am you are going a little too fast and um you know it so that was kind of a prism into the guy's life um that i don't think had happened before so when this project came on the, the first thing i wanted to do was get a hold of everybody's notebooks so mm-hmm. i did i did thousands of photographs of diaries journals notepads and chefs you know take a lot of notes yeah. and have a lot of information in there and you know, a lot of it's real salty which is real cool too you know do something with eggs or keep these notebooks which you know just i don't want to repeat it uh, <laughs> there's wild stuff in this book i mean there's pieces of information that a lot of chefs but they they trusted me so they let me photograph stuff that i think you know sean talks about that chefs are very private people and you know they really have stuff they want to hide and so this book is about revealing things so even just going through michael lasconis does this creative essay in the front of volume two and then sean is the forward in the front of volume one and both of those are filled with you know tons of notebook pages there where you can see their minds at work you can see this stuff that they're using to inspire themselves so i went from sort of documenting elvis's personal possessions to documenting chef's personal possessions as sort of a side aspect to this project and so there was being in the kitchen the line action getting people i I became a line cook with a camera so that the public could be inside the kitchens and they would kind of demystify the idea of what actually happens in service so how are tickets you know and you know fire fire you know it's like what's going on in there so this and the idea too would be to spend a lot of we both decided that this was going to need a lot of pages because if you try to do something too quick you're going to take away the emotional experience so how many pages is was the book and it started out at like what 300 pages 300 pages yeah. and then it went to five and then it went to seven yeah. and then it was it went to 1500 and we had to bring it down to like a thousand yeah so the idea here is that you're taking as much time as necessary to pull people into the emotional experience of cooking and that also i think is another way in which to teach people how great food is made it's just to take the amount of time necessary slowly 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 take people through the whole process out from the you know to hanging with a seedsman the best in the world hanging at the best farms in the world talking to farmers watch you know literally being at the union square market with uh, johnny and george and george has got his you know 
face buried in a, in a bushel of sage. I mean, literally, he walks up to it and just drops his face right into it and he just keeps it there. And I'm like snapping away. And then these guys are, you know, interplaying with each other. And then George, you know, they're, the public is watching these guys. They're having a blast. They couldn't have more fun. They have this relationship with the purveyors. Then I walk back to all day with George and he, like, the bounty is like all over the county and the counter. And then, you know, the line cooks come out and they have a discussion about, look what we just brought in. Let's, let's figure out what to do with what was fresh. And that's also something that the public really needs to understand is just get a relationship with your farmer. Go find out whatever's fresh, whatever's fresh now, out of the ground today, and just go home and cook with that. You know, forget your recipes, man. Just learn how to control heat, learn how to season properly, and buy perfect, beautiful, you know, historic ingredients. And then you'll have food that tastes like – and then use texture. That's the other thing I think I I really learned by – hanging out with these chefs is texture is so big. And so the idea of adding, you know, Johnny does a lot of dialogue about the, you know, texture and the idea of every bite you take is going to have a different percentage of the pro of the ingredient and then the texture to it. So that no bite you take is ever going to be the same. So that textural change provides you with an emotional experience as yeah. well. So then there's this, there's this idea of um, implanting sense memory, using sense memory, evoking emotions in food. Um, and it's interesting because, I mean, if, if you watch somebody eat something, if you really just sit down and just kind of sit back in the corner and you watch someone in a dining room eating, you can almost watch them process the, the, the experience that they're having and kind of commit it to memory. And so they're committing to memory this, this new, you know, moment in their lives that they'll never forget. So when you see somebody having this sort of intense, savory or dessert, you know, experience, they're really, it's, it's just, you know, it's what Grant Ackett's is doing. It's what Sean's doing. It's what all great, just Johnny's doing. All great chefs are reflecting back on childhood memories and just trying to give you an experience that, you know, that literally changes your life. Yeah. So Blake, when you first met Jeff, could he cook? Did he know about food? Yeah, no, he had the yeah. basics down. I, yeah. I think I just took his cooking to the next level, uh, with giving him more advanced techniques, and uh, he just had so many questions. He was, you know, avid learner, but uh, you know, he was definitely on the level of uh, you know any great cook. So yeah, so I mean, hearing him say stuff about how important texture is, and so does that make you feel like humbled that you guys did this project together? Oh, absolutely. I, I couldn't have done it with anyone else. I mean, it's it's definitely it's it's fun to see it through a. a you know, a non culinarian, if you will, or, you know, yeah. it's, it's, he's an artist. So, but it's, it's fun to see it, uh, both perspectives. Um, and that's, I think that what gives this book, uh, you know, it's realism. Yeah. Uh, I would say, I mean, what book, uh, going back to George's section, I mean, what book focuses on 30 pages to develop a salad? Yeah. You know, what goes, what's the process that takes you through, you know, months and months of uh, experimentation, um, you know, a seasonal salad that George creates, you know, maybe the, the onions are too salty or the cheese is too, uh, too soft or we need a, a little bit more, uh, you know, lettuce and texture. So we, it, George definitely just takes you on a ride from the start to the end of, of when a, a salad gets on the menu. So it's yeah. just beautiful. Because it's cool because as frenetic as the pages can be and as temporal as they seem, you realize, like how you said, how long a process it is to get to sure. something as simple as a salad. So yeah, often, often you see cookbooks and it's whimsy. It's like, oh, sure. And, not- and real estate in cookbooks, I mean, is is really tight. I would say it's expensive. I mean, it's these days they're trying to you know push it into the smallest 
form I would uh, I would say available. Yeah, we did the exact opposite. What I, I think is just amazing. I mean, we focused on you know the, the the stuff that matters. I mean, going out into the farm with Sean. I mean, you see him literally picking stuff from the vine. You know, you see him talking about how. Uh, these seeds emotionally affect him how his grandmother's heirloom seeds you know pull him back to a time where he was a child um i i I don't see another cookbook out there like this yeah so So, i mean you're talking about the idea of procurement um the idea of being able to go out there and get these ingredients rather than just being able to afford the best ingredients and have them shipped to you so it's 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 that connection to like you keep on saying the farmer to nature to the origins of the dish and I mean that goes to what you know the question earlier of you know it's a cookbook without recipes is that if you could understand food at its origin if you understand you know how a seed grows where it's from if you if you have a, a personal relationship with a farmer you and I are sitting here you know looking at each other we just met but we're like we're forming a friendship you know we're forming a connection based on our love of food our love of you know talking probably our love of photography <laughs> you know our love of capturing moments and once you have that relationship with a farmer are you really going to think about food the same way again are you really going to walk into your price chopper and you go grab something you know you know you're not going to do that so I think just again I mean I think the more you do something well the you know the more you change your life so you keep doing the right things over and over again you're going to start making amazing food at home and people are going to go how'd you do that and you go well my you know i got these from the farmer this morning and that's why this tastes so damn yeah. good so aside from myself uh which i almost feel like this book is specifically made for and catered to who is your audience are you trying to you know garner the interests of chefs aspiring cooks artists or just the general public yeah, I mean, I think it's really a journey for everybody. I think any, I really loathe the word foodie. I mean, I just can't wait till that gets out of the <laughs> lexicon. It's yeah. just everyone, you just stop, you know, really seriously, because we all eat, we wake up, we eat food all day, so we're all foodies. I, I get it, you know? I feel like I'm a fooder. A fooder, yeah. right? Much better. <laughs> I do things yeah. with food. Yeah. You like, you eat, you, yeah. you love, you know, your, your taste, you know, you, you have these experiences with food. And I think that's what it's about. It's about, you know, everyone's going to have a different kind of an experience with this book. This book is meant, like Blake was saying, if you're, if you're, culinary student and you want to know like what this world looks like yeah this book will tell you exactly what life is like for the badass chefs in this country and really representative of the world it'll tell you you know in, in two volumes and a thousand pages you're going to learn more than you probably learned your entire you know all the money you just spent at culinary school you're not going to get back you know for a hundred you're you're, you're you're golden you know because that and it also it's a relational book because it's very physical it's very tactile um it was made Again, it was made to have a physical connection, an emotional connection. So if you're an artist and you want to understand the nature of creativity, I think going through this book, you can you can relate the chef's creative journey to, to a writer, to a painter, to a musician, to an actor, to a poet. I mean, there's listening to these chefs, listen to Sean Brock talk. This is He's a poet, you know, he's an evangelical. Um, there's a lot of really creative things going down with um, layering of text and images and layering of inks. And there's there's f- buildups of inks that you've never seen. And I've included, we have so many pages of vellum, these see-through sheets that have this feel, this beautiful textural quality to them. And that way it's like there's information on top of information that these you can see through the pages into the other pages behind them. So the book actually changes. It doesn't even stay the same. And then as you photograph the book, it changes again. Um, so it's really this emotional experience. So if you want to learn about the act of creativity, if you want to learn about how to you know cook great food, if you want to hear incredible storylines about, you know, you want to know who Johnny Azuni is, like not on television, you'll find out in this book, you know? Excellent. Yeah. 
volume three? No, Johnny's in volume one. Yeah, but is volume three <laughs> no. happening? Uh, yeah, we're just going to we're in we'll sleep. We're in book. sleep. Yeah, yeah exactly. Say, yeah. It's, it's been quite a trip. Well, thank you again. It's such inspiration on thank the page. Tatru t a t r u x dot com. Notes from a kitchen. Yeah, and if uh, the book's available at notesfromakitchen dot com, it's. Uh, uh, don't go to Amazon because they're not set up the way you think they are. <laughs> so notesfromakitchen.com is where the only place to get it. It's exclusively, it's our website, and uh, it's available for pre-order now, and it ships in one week. Excellent. Fantastic. And work up those iron muscles because these are some <laughs> heavy pages. Awesome. Excellent. Thank, Thank you, you so guys much. again. You've been listening to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.